Well, what's up, everyone? My name is Christian Baldanza Di Tacchio. And I'm Giuliano Clary. And this is Tifosi Football Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today is Tuesday, October the 13th. We hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving up in Canada. And uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we'll start right away. Um, I know I'm quite frustrated. I know Giuliano's a little frustrated, so let's jump right into it. This past Sunday, Italy, Poland, in Gdańsk. Wasn't a great game from the Italian national team standards. What do you have to say about this, Giuliano? Tough match for Italy. Started the game really well. Midfield solid, defense solid. Attack a mess. What do you think? I think the same thing. Uh, I think the defense was great. That tandem of Acerbi and Bonucci actually really surprised me. They played really well together. Gigi Donnarumma played stellar in goal there. A little skeptical about Florenzi and Emerson on the flanks there, but they served their purpose. You saw Emerson cut in here and there uh, when he had the chance. Um, that midfield, Barella, Jorginho, Verratti, great, great midfield. Passed the ball, controlled the game in the midfield. But when we got to the attack, that's where everything was a disaster. You know, with Chiesa, Bellotti, Pellegrini playing a top three. Um, I know, for those of you that don't know, obviously, I when we when I saw the starting lineup, I texted Juliana right away, especially seeing Lorenzo Pellegrini on the left wing, who actually surprised us and played better than we thought he did. But Andrea Bellotti, Federico Chiesa, totally ruined that, totally ruined that attack. Uh, Andrea Bellotti can't score for the life of him for this Italian national team. Federico Chiesa, I'm sorry, the guy can't score at all. He missed a sitter from what? In the six-yard box. In the six-yard box. He missed a sitter. And the guy is not a striker. The guy is not a forward. He has no attacking mind. And it frustrated me to see that. It really did. Italy should have been up one or two goals easily in the first half at halftime. And they weren't. And it was frustrating to watch that. The one thing I will say before we before Juliano will get into it a little bit further is you saw a huge difference with 10 minutes left when you saw Domenico Berardi come on, Chicho Caputo come on, and Manuel Locatelli come on. That Sassuolo trio come on. What a difference that Italian team, what a difference that those three made in that Italian team. They had very little time, but they made chances happen. We thought we were going to go to a draw until those three came on and they had a chance here, they had a chance there, and it's like, oh, maybe Italy might steal this game. But uh, I have to say, Roberto Mancini, I'm, I'm, I'm quite disappointed. I mean, this felt like it was an experimental squad. And you keep saying how you are aiming to win every game to help that, to help Italy's world ranking, to help with FIFA World Cup qualification seeding. And this was a game you should have won and you blew it. Now you're going to have to struggle because in order to win this group, you have to win this game against the Netherlands. We understand that the Netherlands is a little bit of more of a mess than Italy is, but this game against the Netherlands that t- takes place tomorrow at 2.45 is what's going to make the group. And the crazy thing is Mancini said up front he's not worried about it. That's the why. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Why? I'd be, I'd be worried about it, I you, think. Don't ever count out the Dutch. Don't ever count out the Dutch. No. Yes, they have a new manager in Frank De Boer. Don't. No, win, no wins yet. 
No, yeah, okay. Well, they tied the they tied Bosnia. I get that, but they're finding their stride. Don't do not underestimate this Dutch team. They got a lot of talent in that squad. A lot of talent. Do you, do you think for this Poland game, it was just a case of Mancini saving his better offensive options for the Dutch game? Why? Why? You win this game against Poland, you have full control of the group. Then you can basically rest your players for the last, what, three games? You really could because you're expected to beat Poland and Bosnia, who you play one more time. And that game against the Dutch is, would be a wash. Now, if the Dutch win this game, you have to win out no matter what against Poland and Bosnia. And let's face it, Poland and Bosnia are going to sit the whole team back against this Italian team. They really are. Poland sat back against this Italian team, and they did. They held their own. They I have to give them credit. They played really well. Bartosz Berzinski, very well done on the right. On the uh, sorry, on the left side, you played great. Kamil Glick. This Walku, what's his name? Valkuvievich. I didn't know he played on Cagliari. Me neither. Solid performance. Solid performance by him at center back there. Three City Out players in the defense. Yeah, three City Out players in the defense. Chesney didn't get the start. Fabianski no, started Fabianski played good. Mm-hmm. But uh, the big thing there is uh, Lewandowski. That's where I got to give Italy credit. Yeah. Chiellini, Bonucci, the pair was split up. Chadby was brought in. I thought it worked well. I was so impressed by uh, both of them, but especially Bonucci's defending. There was one where it was a deep cross into the box, and he had Lewandowski on his shoulder, and he was looking up in the air for the ball, and he timed it perfectly to clear it. And Lewandowski was ready to pounce on any mistake. And Bonucci, his short passing, his long-range passing was on point that game. So Absolutely. Very impressed by Bonucci, the performance he put in a Chadby too. Beautiful work. Donnarumma, like you already mentioned, beautiful work. For me, the midfield was amazing. Fast passing. They won back every ball. They did. Verratti, impossible to get the ball off. Jorginho, same thing. You can't get the ball off the guy. You can't. He always puts in a good pass, but Allah with his energy, he adds to that. But once again, what we already mentioned up front. Pellegrini, for me, was a man in the first half. He actually impressed me quite a bit yeah he played better than i thought he, he impressed would. me quite a bit when you texted me the the starting lineup i was i was shocked that pellegrini was on the left wing but he did a good job he's he didn't play as a traditional left winger he did a lot of cutting in you could see balotti was confused and chiesa when is that guy not confused <laughs> chiesa chiesa he's one of the most frustrating players to watch i like i've said it many times he's not a right winger he is not a natural goal scorer. The things he can do, his strengths are dribbling one-on-one, beating his opponent, and putting the ball in the box. He put in some good crosses, but the way he does it, where the play is going so fast between Pellegrini, Verratti, Jorginho, Barella, these guys are doing one-touch, two-touch passing. Then it gets to Chiesa, and you see him. He stops, has to think, head down, takes three, four touches. Yeah. Does the same move all the time. Slight drop the shoulder to the left, kick the ball wide right, and then he uses his speed and he gets the ball in the box. It's the same thing all the time. He takes too long to get the ball across the box. I think that's what threw off Bellotti quite a bit. And he just, he's kind of, he's really slowing down the flow of the game. Yeah. For me, Chiesa, he reminds me of uh, Zambrotta. I don't know if a lot of people had a chance to watch Zambrotta who are listening to this podcast. He reminds me of that with the energy, the offensive ability. Zambrotta started off as a right winger too. 
then turn into a, a right wing back, whatever the tactics were of the day. He has the same skill set, I believe, as him. And that's where he has to be played. Chiesa has to start from deeper. He can't start all the way up the field because that's why he slows down the play. He has to be running into space onto the ball, not getting the ball, looking what he has to do, and then crossing the ball. It screws up the entire offense. It does. That's why I feel sorry for Belotti. And Mancini, I don't know why he's selecting these players. So Mancini sets up a system where he's playing with three very skillful possession-based midfielders. He wants them, it seems, to pass the ball into the into the net. No one shoots on this team, which drives me nuts. They want to they wanna get right to the byline and tap pass, it tap it in yeah. all the time. It's frustrating. And Bolletti's not that type of player. No. You need a player who's going to be able to play with his back to the net, play one-touch, two-touch pass, and drag his defenders out of the out of their positions and create uh, and be a playmaker as well as a goal scorer. Does Italy have that type of player, though? Do you think so? Like an all-out goal scorer? Not an all-out, but a player who's going to be a jack, like a Lewandowski, jack of all trades, pass, score. No, we don't of, have that kind but that's of player. But that's the system that Mancini wants to play. That's what... That's what's not working. I think Verratti, Jorginho, Barella, instead of having to bring the ball up right to the 18 and do all that nice, beautiful, intricate passing, they need someone who's going to be passing from deep. Yeah. Maybe get Bonucci on the ball a bit more. I think that's where you'll see Italy excel and score goals. Ciro and Bellotti are struggling in this system because Mancini isn't playing to their strengths. If you look at the two teams they play for, it's all based off counter-pressing win the ball and you catch the team on the break that's how these guys score and unfortunately our two best strikers in Italy they're not capable of that that's I, why I wouldn't say Andrea Bellotti is one of your two best strikers according to my, according to the numbers just stats wise they are but Caputo like you said when those three came on this is solo what trio, a difference what a difference you could see the passing between Caputo Berardi and uh, Locatelli, Locatelli. Even with Verratti, it was it was beautiful. If these guys played the full ninety minutes, I think you would have seen a completely different result. I agree. I agree. I think what this game shows you is all the Federico Chiesa fans, myself included. I already know this, but for all you other Federico Chiesa fans, you guys got to get out of your head. This guy does not have the finishing touch that his father had. His father was a striker. Federico Chiesa is no Enrico Chiesa. Is no Enrico Chiesa. Federico Chiesa is a guy that could play right mid, right wing back. In that game against Inter, when he was still with Fiorentina, he showed how well he fit into that position. He really did. Yes. With this national team, he hasn't shown that he can that he has that scoring, that cutting edge to to finish the ball. He doesn't. He doesn't. So I think Federico Chiesa has to sip, go back to right mid. Maybe even try him at the right wing back position. Because I agree with you, Giuliano. He's more like a Gianluca Zambrotta than anything. Yeah, he, the kid has all the energy in the world. He does. He can run for days. Yes. That's his strength. Play to it. He doesn't have the... Well, we don't think. We haven't seen it in full. We saw it in one game so far this season. But he doesn't have the defensive ability of Zambrotta. But... He has the same characteristics in regards to going forward. Well, he can develop them. And Andrea Bellotti, I've said this through and th- like time and time again, 
This guy is not your number two in that spot. He can't be. You have to give it to Chicho Caputo now. You really do. do. Andrea Balotti did nothing in this game. Especially with the shape Italy wants to play this. They want to play this 4-3-3. You got to have a big guy up top. You do. Yeah, you either have to have a big guy up top who's going to just preoccupy the two center backs and make them work so it gives more space to your midfield, your wingers. Either do that or you play the false nine type of player or someone that could just link up. I don't like the false nine. No. But you need you need someone who can the bottom line is pass. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need as a striker. Belotti, yeah. Belotti, there was one point in the game where he, it looked like he had two left feet. I, <laughs> I, he kind of tripped over his own feet yeah. in the box. I, I feel bad for him. Like I said, this team is not set up for him. I and I'm surprised know. with Mancini, who, who the type of player he was in his career, that this is the team he's putting out. And another thing I just want to point to as well as the wingbacks, Christian already mentioned as well, Florenzi and Emerson, they didn't have a bad game, but it wasn't it wasn't good enough to to help the offensive line either, if I can say that. No, I, I agree with you. Because like, you saw you saw Chiesa at Pellegrini, they always wanted to they always wanted to come in. They yeah. weren't playing as uh let's say natural wingers playing out wide on the on the touchline. That's where Florenzi and Emerson have to come in. They yeah. have to get higher up. Florenzi, he's just not effective going forward. No. Emerson, he hasn't played a minute under uh, Frank Lampard at Chelsea yet, no. so I can't. And and all Emerson did offer was speed. He cut in from time to time. He had his moments, but as soon as he cut in, you knew it was not going to go well. He wasn't going to finish the ball because he doesn't have that cutting edge. I think that left spot has to be, stay with Spinazzola. I think Spinazzola offers so much more on the left side and the in the left back or left wing back, whatever you want to call it, position, than Emerson does. And I understand what Mancini's doing. He's saving Spinazzola for the, for the game against the Netherlands tomorrow, right? So, okay, Emerson, you got your shot. Yeah, he, he did okay. It, there's may have been some rust. Yeah. I give credit to that D-line. They did. They played good defensively. They played, they played really well defensively. Very impressed. Leonardo Bonucci impressed me a lot. Yeah. And especially because he wasn't with his man, Giorgio, right? He was with Acerbi. Acerbi has been solid. You yeah, know? he did that big slide tackle at the end to block a <laughs> shot. I yeah. forget who shot the ball, but that was that was a huge block. I wonder if it was that plug me leak. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Speaking of which, he did play sometime. Those are his first minutes, everyone. His first minutes for the entire season. Yeah, and he said he's staying now. He's going to train on his own. He's done at Napoli. Yeah. And uh, he's but, looking to uh, in January. The president of the Polish FA, Boniek, who's a legend, big Roma legend, yes. uh, did come out and say today that Milik does need to play if he wants to make the Euro 2020. Or yes. Euro 2021 now, sorry. So, what did you think with uh, Lewandowski and Milik coming on? Did you think how how did for me like what I saw they they posed Italy some threats? They were quite dangerous pulling on the break. No, they were very dangerous on yeah. the break. They were there were times where I was holding my breath, mm-hmm. and it's like, is this really going to happen? And almost did a couple of times, right? So, yeah, like Lewandowski didn't do much, but no. just his presence alone it draws. Oh, it draws a lot, right? It draws a lot. Um, the second they took him off, that's when it was kind of done for pulling a bit. But like Grosicki yeah. came on, yeah, Grosicki came Grosicki on the left wing. He did a good job. I think this team played really well. They're definitely they they can definitely play 
Uh, they could definitely be a thorn in anybody's side. They can always play enough. That this team is very capable of, of of upsetting a top dog for sure. The way they came in, they knew they were going to soak in the pressure and counterattack and play that physical game. And they played that physical game very well. They played their counterattack very well. They soaked in the pressure very well. So credit to Poland. You guys played really well. And you know, hopefully, you know, wish you guys the best the rest of the way. Um, hopefully you find what you're looking for to get ready for Euro 2021. Um, what would you say about Mancini in this game? Do you think... I know we kind of touched on the tactics. I, do you I think honestly, he got his tactics right? He didn't get his tactics right. But the one thing I was kind of hoping for is you could tell within the first 30 minutes, 35 minutes, that the tactics weren't right. And the, what I expected from Mancini was he was going to adjust at halftime. And it felt like he was stubborn. He was going back to the old school Italian ways where it's my way or the highway. God forbid the Giampiero Ventura days where it's only one way. And Never he tried. Again, yeah. He tried to force this new, this experiment and tried to make it work. And I just think he should have brought on Berardi Caputo Locatelli earlier. Maybe give them 25 minutes instead yeah, of 10 minutes. Is Caputo, you know, Caputo now, Mancini's came out and said, Chiro, you're starting yeah. in the Holland game. Yeah. So, Caputo, why are you calling him up? I think it's time to drop a lot. He's done. I think it's time to drop He's done for I this think team. That, I think Mancini, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think, he's, I think he's thinking about that. I really do. If we see Caputo come on in the Holland game as a substitute... Then I think Balotti's done. Yeah, I think Balotti has to be done from this national yeah. team. He has to be. He has to be. But, so, you know, that's that's basically the Italy-Poland game in a nutshell. A lot of frustration, disappointment on my part. I was really hoping for an Italian win. I really needed it, but it's okay. Yeah. Mancini. You, sorry, I want to stay here a little bit longer. Okay, go ahead. I know we, we want to move on, but, yes, Mancini, the tactics... He got them completely wrong this game. He did. And he just... You see Poland setting up in a 4-2-3-1. It was a 4-5-1, essentially. Yeah, but they played narrow. Poland played very they, narrow. Yeah, they did play very and narrow. And I can't, I can't understand for the life of me where the width was in this team. Why aren't you playing with width? If a team is going to compact the middle and look to play counter, you have to have width in the team. Yeah. And what is what's going on there? I don't... I don't know. I don't know. Where is the width? That's all I got to ask. Mancini, he has to work on the tactics there. Better player selection, better system. Why 4 3 3 all the time? Yeah. Change well, it. When did Does Italy have the players for a 4 3 3? No. No, we do. Do we have the depth to play a 4 3 3? You know, think outside the box a bit. He's been I playing this 4 3 3 the whole yeah. time. Honestly, I think Italy's more with the. With the the players we have on this squad, I think Italy is more well fitted for a four-five-one. Anything, I really do. You play Chiesa on the wide, and then on the other side, you could play Berardi there. Berardi could play anywhere, but uh, and then you have the lone striker up top, which could be your Cheeto, which could be your Caputo. I just don't think this team is built for a four-three-three. I don't think not so with either. these players. Definitely not with these players. Not with these players. You have. The talent is there in this in this Italian national team. The talent's there. It's just a matter of Mancini getting the right players in. Yeah. For for Italy to be competitive again in an international tournament. Yeah. He has to get it right. He has the 
just under a year now to figure it out. Yeah, under a year. So if they make it out of the group, he could potentially have two more games. So he could have five more competitive games. So three more in the in the group. And if they win the group, they could potentially play in the semifinals and finals. So five more competitive games before the Euro. So in regards to players, before we drop this, I just want to ask you one question. So who would you, from from this starting lap, who would you not bring back into this national oh, setup? Number one, number one, first and foremost, Andrea Bellotti. Sorry, you're out of there. You're He's out not of good my, enough. He is not good enough. I don't know how many more times you have to give this guy a chance. He's not good enough. Andrea Bellotti, you're gone. In my mind, Federico Chiesa gets relegated to the bench. In my mind. I like I that. I, he like, shouldn't be a starter, kid. No, he shouldn't be a starter. This midfield is really good. Nicola Barella, Jorginho, Marco Verratti. And then you have all these other pieces that you got to fit into. Senzi. It's a very good right? midfield. Just something I brought up on the last podcast is that they're very small, so which maybe makes them one-dimensional. Yeah. But very talented. That is our strong point. Yeah. So stick with it. I like Locatelli. Uh, I love Locatelli. I think Locatelli, Locatelli is very good off the bench. I don't think Locatelli can bump any of these three out of the... Yeah, it's too competitive It's right way now. too competitive, he, but... He, he brings a good X factor. He brings a good X factor. Locatelli's good for 25 minutes. I think this... Locatelli's going to be a starter for this national team one day. Just as now is not the time. What did you think about Moise Ken coming on for Chiesa? He start, so he started for the people that didn't watch the game. Yeah. Moise Ken was brought in. He started as a right winger and then eventually was shifted to the left once Berardi yeah. and Caputo came on. Um, better than I expected. Yeah. Still mediocre. He do, he's not a natural winger. That's the problem. He's not a natural winger. The guy is a striker. He's, yeah. a, he's a striker. You got to play him in that position. That's what I was getting at. You, you could see right away Mancini again. Why? Yeah. Why as a right winger? Yeah. What is he going to do? Yeah. It's like that game. It's like the first game in the in the two legs against Sweden in that in that playoff for the where Ventura brought on Insigne and was playing them center mid. It's like, what are you doing? I know. What are you doing? Right. So, Moise, he was more effective on the left wing. Yeah. I still wasn't too impressed. He did put in a nice cross at the end of the game, uh, but it just kind of went to nobody. But definitely more effective as a as a left winger. He can't be put on that right wing no he he's not as dangerous because when he's on the left wing a defender knows this guy can shoot so i gotta worry about a shot and him possibly dribbling me when he's on the right wing you know he's not gonna shoot yeah so you just gotta worry about him getting around you so yeah. you just put a foot out to block a cross which he most likely won't do he'll just try and dribble you and then lay it off to someone he he won't try and put in a cross, so it's easier to defend him on the right wing. Definitely. So he has to be he has to be played on the left. I personally I don't think he belongs on the national team either. But if he is going to stay there, a left winger. Yeah. And Emerson too. Yeah. He, Emerson, I, I think. Not even as a, I wouldn't even bring him as a sub. I think no. there's better. I think you I think you're better off with Biragi as a sub. That's what I mean. Biragi, Biragi is decent. Yeah. You have Biragi, Spinazzola. Spinazzola is my starter. You Hands have down on the left side. You have Crescito there. Crescito wouldn't be, but I take Crescito over Emerson. Yeah, I take Crescito over Emerson. Like too. there's a lot of talented left back, left wing, ba- left wing back uh, players. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't Italy. think Emerson makes his team. I mm-hmm. think your starting left back has got to be 
gotta be Leonardo Spinazzola. Yeah, it's strange. I don't know what he brings that Mancini keeps bringing him, especially when he has speed. no game time, but speed. Speed's overrated. Speed's overrated. Who cares if you can run? It's like England. You can run, but you can't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a bunch of speed merchants. Yeah. If you can't if you can't pass a ball, what's the point of being a speed merchant? Exactly. I th- You know, center back wise, I really like Acerbi Bonucci. Realistically, we know it's going to be Killini and Bonucci, whether we like it or not. So I would say you're, if you're going to bring four center backs, Bonucci, Acerbi, Chiellini, that fourth spot's going to be tough. You have so many players that could warrant that fourth spot where they're not going to get much time, but it's good for them to develop, like an Alessio Romagnoli who's now just coming back. Coming back for the derby. He's coming back for the derby della Madonnina. Yes, um, which so we'll talk about a little bit later. Definitely. So Alessio Romagnoli. Daniele Rugani, who's now going to get time at uh, Stad- Ren, right? Stad Ren. Yes. You got you know Armando Izzo. So there are some pieces there for that fourth center back spot. Right back, I feel it's got to be Danilo D'Ambrosio. People think I'm crazy for that. People think Danilo D'Ambrosio is one of the most over... I think he offers a lot on that right side. He really impressed me in that game against the Dutch. Yeah. He did. Maybe. See, that's what we got to see. We got to see for the Dutch team how Mancini lines up. Yeah. Because I feel like, I don't know why, but he saved his better team for the Dutch game. I agree with you. You put your best team out for Poland. You beat them. You don't have to worry about this Dutch game. Exactly. It was, I don't know what Mancini was thinking. Yeah, it's it's strange. I think sometimes <laughs> coaches, they overthink yeah. situations. Yeah, I think so. I think so. They got too much time between games and it's like yeah. just overthought. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say about this Italy-Poland game that was really refreshing is the, the amount of fans that were in the stadium. I think... Uh, uh, Gdansk, the stadium in Gdansk, they were allowing up to 10,000 people into the stadium. I don't know if they fully capped out at 10,000, but you could, just from that very condensed group, it was definitely over 1,000 fans. It but was nice to see. You can hear the energy, and it was nice and refreshing to see that again. The boos for Italy, the yeah. cheers for Poland. It was, it was nice to see that again. I it was agree. nice to see that again. So, you know... A tie is a tie. We'll get over it. We got one more. We got one more game against Poland in November that takes place on November the fifteenth against them. So my la- my last question: Who would you bring in for the striker position? Would you keep Cheeto or would you drop him too? No, you have to bring Cheeto. Okay, so who you have to bring Cheeto? Yeah, so who I would think, you bring? Who I would think, you bring? So if I have to bring three strikers, if you have to bring three strikers, if I have to bring three strikers, see that's a tough. Even one. for the next qualification matches, who would you play a striker? You know, your three. Who would they be? Cheeto, mm-hmm. Caputo has to be Caputo, and number three is kind of a gamble. Uh, I based on what happened today, why not give Patrick Cutrone a shot? He scored two goals. He, right? he scored Ireland. a goal and an assist in the a game against in the qualification for the under twenty ones against Ireland. If you have nothing else to bring up. Why not Patrick Cutrone? I love Andrea Patania, but he's not getting minutes. So he's not. He's the only not the only positive the only uh sorry, the only thing different about Andrea uh, about Patania is his size. There's yeah. nothing like that yeah. in the national team. What about what about but what about guys like Inglese? What about guys like Destro? 
What about those guys? Roberto Inglese, you have Kevin Lasagna, who's been ice cold. But that's the problem. There's not no one's stepping up to the plate no, with these no. Italian strikers. But, but one person is. Chicho and Caputo. Playing. And he's not playing. Chicho Caputo stepping to the plate. He's doing everything you want. He's scoring goals. He's gelled with the Sassuolo team. This Sassuolo team is probably got one of the best attacks in in Serie A. They, they do. do. They do. And you know what's the best part about them? Three of those guys are Italian. Locatelli, Berardi, Caputo. These are guys you can throw right into the national team. Look what they did in 10 minutes. Look what they did in 10 minutes. They, I'm telling you, they scared. That Polish team knew that, thought they were going to, they were happy with the draw. They scared them for 10 minutes. They did. If they had a little more time, they would have scored a goal. Hands down. I think he'll get there eventually, Manchin. I think he's going to see Caputo, Berardi, Pellegrini, Jorginho Varati, Barella, Spinazzola, Chiellini, Bonucci, or Cerbi. I'm telling you. And then you're right back, maybe Florenzi. That's got to be the starting lineup with Donnarumma in that. I'm telling you. If Caputo scores 20 goals this season and he still brings Bellotti over him, it's all politics, man. Yeah, Bellotti has been given way you too many chances. You bring the best players your country has on the table. And Chicho Caputo is miles ahead of Andrea Bellotti. Andrea Bellotti had a couple of great seasons at Torino when Chiro was there. That was it. That was it. He had one shining season when he started at Palermo, but there was nobody else on that Palermo team, so he had to do well. Yeah, he he puts in good numbers, but for the style of this national team that Mancini he wants to play, fit. he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit. So Mancini just yeah, just ax him. That's it. You got to yeah. move on. Give him the axe. Same with Chiro. If Chiro doesn't score goals, give him the axe. Give him the axe or drop him to the bench and give someone else a chance. Because I'm to. sick of seeing these guys playing the in the on the national team and not score goals. Yeah, their goal scoring uh, records for the national team is a disgrace. It is. It is, and there are players that play better when they're playing for country than they are pl- than than when they are for club, and vice versa. Chidu Immobile is a player that plays better for club than he does for the national team. It's been like that since he's been with the national. But team. I think I think for me, it's a stylistic thing, 100, which we touched on before. I think it's purely stylistic. That's all it is. Oh. You have a striker. You set up the team for his strengths. You don't do the opposite. Which Mancini's done. If Chiro is your star player, you build a team to support your star player. Mm-hmm. You don't build a team to push him off to the side so yeah. that someone else stars. This team is being built with the midfield. And my, the midfield's overpowering the Italian game. It's kind of too good right now, the Italian midfield. They control the game too easy. Yeah. Like I said, they bring... Golden generation. You know? So... He has to do some tweaking, Mancini. Maybe it's a bit out of balance. Well, let's see what happens again with this game against the Dutch that goes at 245. We'll Martin Darun left. Yeah. The Atalanta midfielder. Frank De Boer is struggling. Two games we said, no wins. Another well, train wreck over here happening. I think so. And we know that Mancini is saving his strongest squad for this game. I'm Quit. curious to see. I'm curious to yeah. see how they do it, Ali. What are your what what's your prediction for this game coming up? I see another boring draw, to be honest. I don't see I don't see an improvement. Frank DeBoer, 
he's gonna play uh i think a conservative game against italy he knows italy's strengths he's come out and says he uh respects italian midfielder he's midfields he's impressed by verati Jorginho. Yep. so i think he's gonna play a defensive game and he's gonna look to hit italy on the counter i think italy can handle that they proved it against poland because holland is missing a lot of their key players It'll be interesting to see if they bring Benucci out again for this game. It will be. Or Chadby. If they're going to risk him with the amount of games. Because Chiellini's going to play. We know that. Yeah, Chiellini's going to show. Who's going to pair with Chiellini is going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm curious, too, to see who that front three is going to be. It's going to be Chiro, El Shadawi. Well, it's going to be Chiro. We know Chiro for sure. El Shadawi did test positive for COVID, but it's been... Uh, it's been... It was a false positive. It was a false positive, so he will be available for this game tomorrow. Well, let's see. I... What do you think? I yeah. have blind faith. I don't know why. As much as this team drives me nuts, I think we're going to grind out a win here. We know we have to win this game just to control the group. We can be in cruise control the rest of the way if we win this game. And I think Mancini knows that. So, one nothing Italy. Again, one nothing. We'll one see. Nothing. We'll see. Good thing is our defense midfield's there. Just we can't score goals. Yeah, but Ab- we'll see. Absolutely. So let's move over to. That's uh, enough of Nations League. Let's move over to uh, Serie A that gets set to restart this weekend. Thankfully, big not, big weekend. Big weekend for sure. But I think the first thing we need to talk about that's going to really affect Juventus is Ronaldo has been tested for positive for COVID nineteen. Yes, he's positive. So that means he's going to miss this weekend's game. And he might miss the derby of Messi-Ronaldo. Yeah. So he's going to miss that first Champions League tie in Barcelona. That's an important game. Yeah. So that will be very interesting. They are the two standout teams in that group. Yeah. But UEFA must be pretty pissed that they're two two, uh, big boys, the big names. One's going to be out for the game. The for matchup sure. they've been waiting forever. So that being said, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of COVID nineteen positive results when these players are going on the international when they're going to play for their na- international when national team. Yeah. So the international break. So it, it's it's really proven that during the international break, that's when the COVID that's when a lot of players get tested positive for mm-hmm. COVID-19. Fernando Santos has already come out and defended that, you know, no Portuguese players broke protocol. Why Ronaldo has COVID-19? You know, he followed protocol. So because this is happening on the internet, more so on the during the international breaks than it is during club play, should we just scrap the international breaks until the major tournaments in the summertime? Me personally, I would. It makes no sense that you're going to be getting players from all around Europe. You're going to put them all together for for a week and a half to play three games. It's a lot of traveling, so it's a lot of stress on their bodies. The, you know, the training alone is a lot of stress on their bodies, so their immune systems aren't up to scratch. It's easy for them to get sick. I don't know. You have to do the you have to do these games, but in this climate. Is it necessary? I don't think so. I think an I think an exception has to be made because you look now the amount of the amount of uh, players that are out alone for Inter, and I'm not just talking as an Inter fan, but in a big derby they have six players out, six players out. You have Ronaldo out now, so a lot of teams are missing uh, their big players, and 
this one weekend, you know, a lot of, even in the Premier League, a lot of players came back. They tested positive. So what do you think? Do you think they should go on? There's a reason it's there. There's a reason the Nations League is there, right? It's to give these national teams a chance at competitive international football because back in the day, international soccer took was the main priority over anything. Whereas these days, club football takes precedent over international football. That's what it feels like, at least over the past couple of decades. And we understand that there is a big tournament next year in Euro 2021 and that these teams need to prep. And you can't just hold a training camp in your country with these guys and put together an international team for these major tournaments. That would be a disaster. Yeah, it would be a disaster. So I understand the need for it, but why not suspend it until the new year, see what happens with uh, with the number of cases that are happening in Europe, and, and then make a decision there. Do we really need to play in November? You can cram it in in January, February, March, right? It's three games left in the Nations League after tomorrow. So can you not... Put a hold on the three games remaining, and yeah. just—I love international football. I love it. I too. think that it plays a huge part in uh, in in the in the yearly in the annual football schedule. But yeah, just to me, it seems it's putting a lot of uh, players at risk unnecessarily. Definitely, definitely. So we'll we'll see what happens. It's, it's easier to control them and their teams. It is much easier because right. they have their own protocols, they have their own bubble, they have this, they have that. So you just added more variables to the picture when yeah. you want on international. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, though, let's go let's preview go, the weekend. Let's preview the weekend. Exciting weekend. This is an exciting weekend. What a way to return to City A to kick it off. First game, Napoli and Atalanta on October the 17th goes at 9 a.m. Toronto time at the Stadio San Paolo. Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this game? This is going to be crazy. It is. I'm going to say right now, Atalanta wins. Napoli is a bit of a mess. Are they going to show up? Who knows? Well, they're going to show up. They're playing out. They're going to show up. They're, they're going to show up. And but <laughs> just a quick side note, there still has not been a decision made on that Juventus-Napoli game. Which looks like... Juve's not going to get the three points handed to them and the game's going to have to be played. That's what it looks like it's leaning to. But for this game, their head-to-head record last six games, three wins for uh, Atalanta, two for Napoli, one draw. This Atalanta game's on fire. I think this Atalanta team, yeah, they are on fire. But here's a quick tidbit for you with Napoli. Napoli's obviously had more time off because they had to abandon that game against Juventus. They have eight goals for. They have zero against right now. Yeah, I know. I know. They. I was joking a bit, but yeah, having that rest is huge in this compact season. Definitely. So they Definitely. may have an edge because a lot, a lot of Atalanta players they were on international break. They were, and you said Darun got sent home, right? Martin Darun got sent home. So he's not going to play. So I don't know what to expect. Is Atalanta the legs going to be a bit tired? Can they keep up this blistering pace they started at? I think I think we're gonna see a draw here. I really do. Gennaro Gattuso knows how to play these games. He knows how to play these attacking teams, and he plays a, he plays a great shutdown against them. And don't forget, 
that attacking trident up top for that Napoli team. We know this. We know the defense for Atalanta is their weak spot. It's mediocre. Yes, they, they're a superstar away from being a, a, a juggernaut in this league. In in the in the back, so and Napoli can score goals. Eight goals in two games. Six of them against the yeah. COVID-riddled Genoa. We understand that, but Dries Mertens is. In, I, I don't know if Insigne is back for this game. I think he might be. And uh, Chucky Lozano, Chucky Lozano, and uh, what's his name up top? I forget who Milik, your no, best friend there. No, no, that guy's never gonna play a minute, he's a joke. Um, <laughs> what's his name? Came from uh, Lille, came from Lille, Did he came from the French League. Oh, Ozyman, Ozyman, yeah, there Ozyman, we go. Yes. Ozyman, yeah, Yet to score, but he's playing amazing. He's playing amazing. I'm very, I'm so excited to see how that attack. I just just to see how those two play each other. It's going to be a really exciting game. That's one of the exciting games. Like there's so many exciting games this week. That's one of them. And uh, this is a hard one to put your to put money on. Yeah, it's a really. I wouldn't if if you're gonna if you're a betting person, I would not touch this game. I, I know. I, I don't know if I just said two seconds ago Atlanta is going to win. You did. I did. I'm going to take it back. I think Napoli. See the the. The big difference between Napoli and Atalanta here is Napoli has no weaknesses. They, they got don't. a solid defense, solid midfield, amazing attack. They do. Great goalkeeping. Okay, goalkeeping. Ospina, Meret. But they're okay. good. Ospina is a good goal. Yeah. He's a good goal. He can hold his own if he's healthy. Yeah. That's where you got to give Napoli the edge. And we talked about when we previewed Napoli and Juventus, in the podcast, in the, the couple podcasts, give Napoli the edge, right? I think we did give Napoli the edge, but we also said that this is where Napoli can really test where they stand in this league if they're seen as a scudetto contender or not. And then we didn't get that game against Juventus, so here's another opportunity to see where you line up in terms of scudetto race because there's a lot of Napoli fans that think they could win the city out this year. Yeah, if, if Napoli beat Atalanta in this game, I think. They're right up there for yeah. top four. Absolutely. This this is going to give them a lot of momentum if they win this game. And you know what? I am going to give them the win here. You're going to give Napoli the win? I'm going to give Napoli the win. I just think they have... It's going to be the defense that's going to be the difference for them. Okay. I don't think... If you look at Atalanta's goals, the goals they're scoring are all individual brilliance. Like cutting in top corner. Mm-hmm. Unreal finishes. You can't be doing that every week. No. You can't. We talked about Lazio and Atalanta. Lazio, I said, arguably created more chances from better goal scoring positions. Arguably. They just, Chiro can't score. Yeah. That's the difference. But Atalanta is like everything they touched was in the back of the net. Yeah. That can't continue week in, week out. No. So that's where I'm going to give Napoli, I think, the uh, the okay. edge in this one. So Giuliano says Napoli's going to win. I'm going to stick with the tie. I just think this is too difficult to call, so I'm just going to play it safe and call a tie. After international break is always weird. Yeah, definitely. Weird stuff happens Tired after players, international breaks. Definitely. So let's move on to the next game that takes place on Saturday. Uh, the next game is Sampdoria, and they'll be hosting Lazio. Sampdoria-Lazio. Lazio has been dominating Sampdoria in the last uh, couple years. Yeah. The last time they lost to Sampdoria, when was it? It's been a long time. They haven't lost in the last six. 
the last time Sampdoria even got a point off of them was in 2018 of December. Oh. Or sorry, of August. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, did I get the right? Sorry. Of December. December the 8th, 2018 was the last time, time they've got a point off them. Yeah, I mean, I got to give the edge to Lazio on this. I think Lazio is Lazio's probably angry. They you know, they're disappointed with how they handled that Atalanta game. They probably felt like they were robbed because they like you said, they created more chances, controlled that game. They were happy with that point against Inter on the short turnaround through playing Inter three or four days later. So Lazio's gonna be looking to win this game. Yeah, Lazio Too doesn't much. Lazio doesn't have a big amount of players that go on international duty I don't believe no not too many just a handful of players so they will be rested they've scored 18 goals in 6 games against this Sampdoria team yeah I, there's it's hard be too, to see this it's going to be too much for Claudio Ranieri yeah it's hard to see Sampdoria getting a point off of them oh yeah so you're saying Lazio back to the loser column for uh, Sampdoria yeah, I think I, I agree with you so for those of you keeping track if you want to put some money on this game put money on Lazio the odds are probably not going to be that great because they're probably a heavy favorite, but Lazio's a safe yeah, bet. Yeah, Lazio, I agree. Now. For the big one. The Derby della Madonnina. Inter. Uh, host oh. Milano. I was at the last one with fans in Milan. Nothing like it, the big 4-2. That was an exciting that game. That was a game and a half. That was a game and a half. So This time around, though, I don't know what this Inter team. Six <sighs> players out with coronavirus. Inter has been dominating in the last six games. They've uh, won four of them, drew one, lost one. Ten goals for Inter, five for AC Milan. Okay. Very, lots of cards in these games. Form-wise, Milan... There's never a draw in these games, though. No. Someone always wins, and they're always high-scoring. Form-wise, Milan hasn't considered a goal this season yet. That's the crazy thing. So, Inter has kind of the Well, they've played Crotone and Spezia. So. But Milan, Milan's been rock solid almost the entire year. Yeah. Inter was doing pretty good, had a rough summer, made a running Europa League, have started the season very rough, or somehow, I know it's only Grinding been three games, wins. they're up at the top. Yeah, For, sitting fourth right now. This is this is one of the hardest derbies to call. This is a hard. Time. This is a really Zlatan Ibrahimovic is back. He's back. Romagnoli is back. For Inter, they're going to be missing Ashley Young, Alessandro Bastoni, Milan Skriniar. I don't know if these are confirmed missing, but they have COVID. Rajan Angolan, Roberto Gallardini, and their third goalie, or maybe uh, Radu, the second goalie. Padelli is there anyway. That's but that's a lot of players missing. A lot of players missing, and uh, against an inform AC Milan team. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be tough to call. And uh, much as I hate to say it, I I don't know how I can give. I'm I'm an Inter fan, and I'm struggling to give Inter a win here. Yeah, I just don't see how they're gonna do it. It's gonna be if Inter wins, it's gonna be because Lukaku and Lautaro they just are on form that day and they just create something out of nothing this is a this is a really good test for inter and milan because milan doesn't know if they're milan is milan's a top four finish that's what their aim and uh, this will really see this will where, be the measuring yeah, stick where on, are they where are they so if they beat inter here they can logistically be a scudetto contender whereas inter so you have milan who is potentially a scudetto contender Against Inter, who's potentially a Scudetto favorite. So this is going to be like a really big... Cl- 
clash. Really important. Really, I think it's going to be a really exciting game. I just think the pressure is more on Inter to win this game than it is on Milan. I don't agree with that 100%. I think Milan now, the bar is raised. It's, this is it. Are you with the big boys? Or are we going to go back to mediocrity? But with Inter, we've been saying all every year, or sorry, all podcasts, it's win or bust. They have to win now. They have to win now. So you cannot lose this game. You cannot lose this game. They can't. But who's going to be in that defense? We're missing potentially Skidinar. So where are we going to run? Bastoni's gone. We're going to run Divrai. We're going to run... Uh, Kolarov, maybe? Kolarov and D'Ambrosio. I hate that defense. That defense is... If Benevento scoring two goals in their first game... Sorry, remind me again who the first game was against... Inter? Yes. They played... Uh, I thought they played... No, they didn't play Benevento. They played uh, Fiorentina. Fiorentina. And look how much damage these guys did. Conte, the only way he's going to get a result out of this is if he outcoaches um, his oh, counter, uh, Stefano Pioli, the former Inter coach. It's going to be a tactical battle. He has to get his tactics right in this game. You got to do something about that defense, Antonio Conte. And I want to see Ericsson in this team. I want to see him pulling the strings. I want to see him. I want to see the Ben Yasser and and Erickson battle. I think this is going to be like a four three, three to two game. It's not going to be a clear cut winner. That's the thing, though. If, if it goes into a high scoring game, I think that will play in Tinter's hands for sure. It will. I for think sure. that will. If this is a wide open game, it goes in Tinter's hands. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think Pioli is going to do that. I think he's smarter than that. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm a betting person. I think Inter's going to win this game. And the reason why... Now you're saying Inter's going to win. No, I am I think Inter's going to win. I think Inter's going to win. And the reason why I think Inter's going to win is because there's more pressure on Inter to win now. Whereas Milan, yes, the bar is raised, but they're not there yet. They're not there yet. They've played Crotone and Spezia in, the, in their first three games. So it's not a real measuring stick. Inter's played Lazio, Benevento, and Fiorentina. That's a much more difficult three games than Milan's first three games. Benevento is kind of a wash. Yes, you scored. You got. You conceded two goals against Benevento. It happens, right? But Inter's got to win this game. They have to win this game if they're going to stay in the Scudetto race. Inter Milan, three to two victors in my books. I can't call this. I can't call. So you're gonna call a tie? No, but they never tie. That's the thing. I want to say a tie, but they never tie. All your heart. Let's say a tie then. You're gonna go tie. Okay. So Giuliano says take the tie. I'm telling you to take Inter Milan. The tie works in favor for both teams. Inter's got to win. Inter came off a tie. Inter tie already. Because I know technically you have a game in hand, but Juve. And Napoli are the biggest uh, opponents up for this good that though. If both Atalanta? teams get a tie. Hold on. You got don't. No, but Atalanta's already at the top of the table. Let me finish my point. At the, if AC gets a draw, yeah. they'll be two points behind Atalanta if they win. Napoli, if they lose, will be stuck on six. Juve, if they win, will be on seven. So that puts them still in good positions. Remember, this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint, so... That's the only thing. Okay. That's why I'm going to lean towards a draw. So Giuliano's going to say draw. I still say enter. 
Last game on Saturday, 2.45 Eastern Time, Juventus Crotone. Juventus. I don't know. They're missing their big guy. Oh, that doesn't mean anything. They're playing Crotone. They're playing watch, Crotone. Watch Keza come into this game and score three goals. Yeah, they're playing Crotone. Because you no, know that's what's going to happen. Yeah. is going to come in and score friggin' three goals. He's going to be the best goal scorer Italy's ever had. <laughs> no, that that's how this happen. is going to go. That'll never happen. Crotone is getting hammered this game. Juventus, 3 nothing. Has to be. I don't even think Crotone's ever beat Juventus. No. They drew them. I see a draw here in the stats. Uh, 2018. No. The last time they were in the city, no. yeah, they got a draw. Juventus is winning this game. Juventus has to win this game. They're in mid-table right now. They have to win this game to keep up. So, Juventus, what do you say? Yeah, I'd say Juventus. If Dybala's in, Juve should win. Even though they're very thin up front, I don't think is going to score a goal. I know. You're going to probably see Dybala up there. You're going to see... Do you think you'll see Chiesa in this game or you'll come off the bench? I think you'll see Chiesa. I don't think you'll see him start. He'll come off the bench. Yeah. He'll come off the bench. They should. I don't I don't think it's going to be as easy of a game as we think for Juve. I don't see them losing. Well, I certainly do. But it's going to be low scoring. I think they're going to nick a goal. One, one, two, no. Okay. Tough, tough win. Okay. So we both say Juventus. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on to Sunday morning, 6.30 a.m., Sassuolo Bologna at the Stadio Renato Dallara. Yes. And Bologna does have the edge on them, but Sassuolo's won the last two meetings. Honestly, the way the table's going, what do you think? I think Sassuolo's going to win this game. Sassuolo is a lot better than people think they are. This is a team that I think that I'm thinking is going to finish in the top six now. I know we didn't have them there. They're very capable, very capable. Yeah. I don't see. I don't see where Bologna can can uh, cause fear in the Sassuolo team. I think Sassuolo defensively have, sound, midfield sound, attack nominal. Yeah, like Bologna, they're just a very Get the ball in the wing, cross the ball in. They play with Palacio up front. Pressure game, clog up the mid. So Solo has a bit too much pace for them. Maybe a bit weak in the back in terms of aerial duel. Like they're not strong in the air as a team. But Bologna doesn't have any big guys to worry about. I think you're looking at maybe a 2-1 win pending injuries. Hopefully no Solo players get injured in the Holland game. If they are missing one of those three of Berardi, Caputo, and Locatelli, this game can be completely different. But if they're all healthy, I think Sassuolo. Okay. So we both say Sassuolo. Next game, Torino hosting Cagliari. Cagliari. <laughs> Di Francesco having oh, a rude awakening. Favorite guy. Back in Serie A. Our favorite guy, Eusebio Di Francesco changing those tactics he's come out and he said he knows he has to change him draw pedro he was uh in the previous games he was stuck out on the wing ineffective guy can't run doesn't have the legs in it defenestresco pits him on the wing expecting him to run back and forth makes no sense then you know what he did he played draw pedro behind the striker where he always plays and he scores well and look what he did he scored a goal in his last game so i think eusebio at least he's starting to realize I need to 
adapt to this team and not the team adapt to me. Yeah. This one's this one's a tough one because, like you said, I think Eusebio's finally starting to listen inside that testadura of his. Yes. Um, <laughs> both teams are struggling. They both need to win, these teams. Yeah, both teams need to win. And this Torino team, as much as I say it, they're, uh, I th- <laughs> they're just not helping me out here. I think this Torino team's a lot better than the record shows. Your best boys on there. No. This, it's both teams currently sit Cagliari 17th Torino 18th in the standings need a win need a win big time both of them but how do you think they come out for this game <sighs> too scared it's because they don't want to lose and they draw I, I think both of them feel that way I think both of them feel, I think it's leaning towards a draw yeah I think a draw I think both teams would be happy with a draw I really do I think so too I really do because if you lose this game Either one of these guys could get fired. Because <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's to get fired, it'd be one of these two coaches right now. Hundred percent. And I'm surprised being said, yeah, there's been no fires. Uh, no, no one's been fired. Yet. I don't know. I think Torino's gonna. No one's have, been sacked. I, if I'm looking at the calendar here, I think Torino's got to win this game. Torino's got to win this game more than Cagliari does, because Torino's playing Sassuolo next week. So, I think they know they have to win this game. Are those midweek fixtures or? No, next the weekend following. Torino's playing in Sassuolo next in Sassuolo, so I think Torino's going to win this game. Cagliari's playing Crotone next. It's interesting because you have Torino who's going to play the possession, Cagliari's going to play the counter. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. I'm going to give the edge to Torino here. I think that overrated piece of garbage, Andrea Balotti, is going to maybe score a goal. He's going to be another guy. He's going to score three goals. Best goal scorer. 100%. I'm sticking with the draw, though. Okay. Well, I'm going to t- I'm going to stick with Torino on this one. So, for those of you that are following, Giuliano has taken the draw in this game, and I am taking Torino. Now. Who's next? Fiorentina are playing at the Stadio di Manuzzi. So, they're playing Spezia. So, they've lost. Well, we already mentioned Chiesa is gone. But Callejon's in. Jose Calejon, former Napoli right winger, a real right winger, is coming in. Will he be slotting into? Uh, and Petzella's back. Petzella. With the, with, he's back. I thought they got rid of him. No, he he says he's he's back to Petzella, yeah. with the armband. So this is going to be this is going to be an interesting game. See how Fiorentina bounces back on losing their losing their star player. Fiorentina's going to win this game. The distraction of for Chiesa, if he's going to leave, if he's not going to leave, it's gone. It's gone. But Spezia's been one of the the better teams coming. Well, Benevento's been good. Crotone's kind of been bad. Spezia beat Udinese. Other than that, they've done nothing. It doesn't matter. They won. And they got it. Yes, they the beat a team that's a the mess. They, they got one of the top goal scorers in the league right now. Yeah, for now. Galabinov. Yeah, for now. No, sorry. I'm saying Fiorentina was going to win this game. Spezia's going to be brought back down to life. I don't know. See, I'm not sold on it because both of these teams play the same style. Fiorentina, like we've said, they struggle against teams that sit back. We know Spezia's going to sit back, and they're going to counter Fiorentina. But Fiorentina's got a lot more talent in this team. They do, but if that's all soccer was based off of, we would play, know. right? I know. The I'm still saying Fiorentina wins this game. I don't know. 
No, what? I'm going to go on a limb. Spezia is going to win. You're nuts. They're going to pull one out here. They're going to pull one out here. Your fans are nuts. I okay. think Spets is going to surprise Fiorentina this game. Okay. So this is what makes Fiorentina a mid-table team. They don't have the ability to be at the top because they, they lose games like this in my world. Okay. <laughs> in my world, they win these games and they can't. They don't show up for the big games. That's that's why I think they're a mid-table team. So Okay, so you say Spezia, I say Fiorentina. Let's move on. Udine. <laughs> Udinese. Udinese. Udinese and Parma. Ooh. Both teams are playing Schieff right now. Yeah, both of them. Well, Parma's got a win. They did get a win. They finally got a win. Against Bologna, right? So Against Verona. Oh, was it Verona? Sorry, Against sorry. Against Verona. My apologies. So their last three games, Parma, they beat Hellas Verona. They lost to Napoli in their very first game, and they lost to Bologna 4-1 in the second game. Udinese. Udinese. <laughs> lost to Verona 1-0 they lost to Spezia 2-0 and then they lost to Roma 1-0 creating a lot of chances in those games they mind did. you they and just they cannot Gerard, score they got Gerard Dulof yes they do uh, the Spaniard what a shock Barcelona youth product another Watford transfer unbelievable what's yes. going on um, I'm saying Udinese wins this game they got to come out of this rut of goal scoring. If they do, you're going to see them get a couple wins. So I think this is their game. I think this is a game Lasagna finally scores. Starts the campaign with a goal finally. Can't I can't I cannot give Udinese the edge in this game. I just they're just so much of a mess. They have Rodrigo De Paul, Roberto Pereira, Gerard Dulofa, Kevin Lasagna. This attack should be decent, but for some reason it's not. And Juan Musso. That's why they're due. They're Juan due Musso's for gone for like six weeks. It was like Sampdoria due for a win. I know, that is a big loss. I Juan forgot about Musso's that. Juan Musso's gone for like six weeks. So it looks like... Okay, who's coming in? It, I think it's Scufe. It might not be Scufe. It might be the other goalkeeper they have. I don't know. Udinese's got like... They, they've like shunned Simone Scufe out of this squad. Which is a shame. It is a shame. I'm going to say they're going to tie this game. I think both teams would be happy with a tie in this game. Because if Udinese loses, Gatti is gone. He's as good as gone. So I'm going to say a yeah, draw. Gotti, th- Gotti needs a win big time. Gotti needs a win big time, but Gotti will survive another week by getting a tie. He'll get fired the week following when they play Fiorentina. So the, these are the current goalies. You have Juan Musso, who's out. Simone Scuffet. Simone Scuffet. Niklas is oh, there. I think Nicholas will probably play. He's probably going to get it, of course. Yeah. And Manuel Gasparini, young 18-year-old. Yeah, but, but I think Nicholas is probably going to play. Nicholas, who was he playing for last year? That was Verona, I thought. He was, and he had a, he had a good campaign, too. Yeah. So you know he's going to start. Yeah, he's probably going to start. That's a shame. I want to see Simone in there so bad. Yeah. It's still only 24. I remember when this guy first came onto the scene. I thought he would have been like 29 by now. Yeah. Crazy how young he is still. So you're saying Udinese? Udinese, yeah. I'm going to say a tie in this game. Udine for the win. We'll see. Now, the 245 game on Sunday night takes place at the Stadio Olimpico nella Roma when Roma e Lupi host Benevento. Any notable players gone in this game? Mm, for Roma? I think maybe Diawara. Everybody in yeah, the Roman it. team is tested negative except Diawara. 
So they got a full strength squad, essentially. Essentially. It's a Benevento team that is punched above S- their weight. Sneaking wins. Sneaking Sneakin wins. Sneaking wins up front and center. Well, now that we got Smaldini back, we've, re- you know, I'm going to say quick one minute thing on Roma. Go for it. So now the transfer window's closed. Aside from not getting that El Sharawi deal done, good job for Roma. Dan Friedkin building this team from the back out. Antonio Mirante is a leader, and he's leading this young team. This young, these young center backs in Ibanez, Mancini, and uh, Marash Kambula. And now you got the experience factor in Chris Smalling coming into this team. We're doing it right. Jalarasi fans, we're building from the back out. Hopefully these guys stay. So that's my little one-minute thing on Roma. I'm very happy with building from the back out. Believe me. And Dan Friedkin has met with Nicolo Zaniolo and told him as soon as we put a sporting director in, he's going to get his extension because we're going to build a team around him. Dan Friedkin, thank you so much. Words cannot explain how excited I am about that. And once they bring in a sporting director who everybody thinks is going to be Francesco Totti. Let's hope it is. And the one thing on Francesco Totti, you know, condolences to him and his family on the loss of his father, Enzo, who did pass away from uh, COVID-19. So wish you and your family well, and we're really sorry for you during this very difficult time in your life. So that being said, Roma Benevento, I got to give my Giallo Rossi the edge, Eden Zecco. Scores a goal here, scores a goal there. I think it's not going to be a clean game. I think we're going to see 3-1 to one Roma. 3-1 to one Roma is what I'm going to say. I think it's going to be a Roma win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. Yeah. I don't think Roma is a great goal-scoring team this year. They've lost a lot of offense. And Benevento, they're just not going to win this game because a lot of their two wins out of the three have been very lucky wins. So that can't continue. Just on the law of averages, there's no way you're going to keep getting that type of luck. Roma, I think, for the win. But it's going to be, I think it, people is going to give this Roma team a run. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a scrappy fight. I think so. I think so. So, But I think Roma's going to win this game. So we both agree with Roma. Fantastic. Let's move on to the final game of the match day. It takes place on Monday. Ellis Verona hosts to Genoa at the Stadio Marcantonio Bentegodi. What an exciting game. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I can't believe it's a Monday nighter. Um, I think Genoa's got to win. They have to win. They, they I have think so. To. They have to win. Ellis Verona coming back down to earth after that strong start to the City A season with that big asterisk. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Genoa's got to win this game. This is a game Genoa's got to win. So. They need to. If they don't win this game, they're finished. No, nah, I wouldn't say that, but this is a game they should win. So I'm going to say Genoa wins this game. Agree. Perfect. Perfect. I think that's all the games for match day four. Yes, that's match day four right there. I'm curious to see when the Juve Napoli game does happen. Yeah. I hope they the game is played on the field and not on the table as the saying goes definitely it'd be nice to see that uh that game being played out that's a big game that is a that's, that's a, a big game the season the season isn't going to be a runaway for anybody the season's going to be decided by 
a victory or a loss. Absolutely. It's going to be that close. I strongly believe it. Absolutely. So just want to touch on a couple of things here just to change it up a little bit. I'm going to go into the best group for the Italian Serie C. They had some games taking place. So our standings have now been updated. First place, Serie C, Group C. We're coming for you, Serie B. The Bades are on top. (laughs) Very, very happy about this. And, uh, you know, just looking at all the teams that are in here, Juliana, like all our teams are here. Body's there. Fudge's there. Fudge, yeah. Trapani's there. Palermo's there. Catania's there. Juve Stabia's there. Like, this is an... Ex- this is, like, an exciting... This is an exciting group. Uh, Trapani has yet to play a game yet, so they sit on zero points. Um, Palermo, really struggling. Three games, only one point to show for. They haven't scored a goal yet in City SC. So... I don't know if this Palermo team's gonna this Palermo team's gonna come up right away. But It'd be nice to see some Sicilian teams back in the top. All right, you you need to see that. The glory days of Messina, yeah, Catania, Messina, Palermo. Yeah. But there was no team like Palermo, man. No. That Palermo team that came up with like Luca Toni, Simone Barone, Fabio Grosso, like that team was that team was off the charts. Not to mention Pastore, Dybala, Cavani. Yeah, they've they've produce some amazing talents and now, now they produce nothing now they produce nothing um but since we did Serie C group C I'll, I'll run down the standings quickly for you for Serie C group B and group A uh so Serie C group B is central Italy uh we have a familiar face in Modena on top with nine points but they are tied with Ferrao Pisalo and this team that I've been watching the past couple of years Gets into the flirts with promotion, gets to the promotion playoffs, and and, and fumbles in Suditrol, which is the which is a German town in Italy. I think that's where all the skiers are from. Yes, they're usually from Suditrol. So it'd be cool to see them come up. Um, that's and then uh, you got some familiar faces like uh, that are mid table. Like for those of you that remember, Tristina sitting in mid table, Carpi sitting in mid table. Um, so that's Serie C Group B. Serie C Group A, which is northern part of uh, northern part of Italy. Um, we got uh, this team called Lecco, who I've never heard of. They're on top with four points. Uh, Novara, not too far behind them with one point, and uh, but with nine points. Sorry, they're just one point behind Lecco. And then you got Grosseto as well. Uh, Carrarese, who John Luigi Buffon is a partial owner of, uh, is in the top five. They currently sit in fifth place with eight points. And uh, one of the oldest clubs in Italian football history, Pro Vercelli. Uh, sitting in sixth place in the city of C, and I right. think they've won a city title before. Provercelli did, yes. yeah, they have. And then uh, seventh place is the Juventus under twenty three team, uh, with a game in hand. Uh, surprising uh, couple of teams sitting at the bottom. Albino Lefe was a was a was a mainstay in the early parts of the two thousands in Serie B, um, just outside Lomb- Lombardy. Uh, sorry, just in the Lombardy region, just outside of Milano there. Um, and uh, Livorno is in a relegation uh, a relegation spot in City FC. But they are rumored to be one step away from bankruptcy. So a historic club like Livorno Calcio, possibly on the verge of bankruptcy, which would see them get dissolved and have to start in City D again, which would be quite sad. 
And that is Serie C for you. Serie B, I think they took a break. So Serie B, I think, takes a break too. Um, and that's all we have for around the ticker for in terms of Italian soccer. Yes. And so uh, I believe that wraps us up for today's episode. It does. Forza Zuri tomorrow. Good luck. Good luck. Please, Mancini. Please win this game. Yes. Win this game. This is a poor Dutch team. So. Yeah. Well, you know, the only good thing about the, the only good thing about the Italy Poland game is that my son is very happy that they tied because it was really hard for him to pick a side, Italy and Poland. So uh, I'm gonna try working on him for the next game, which takes place on November the 15th in Italy, the Italy Poland game. But uh, at least he's happy. That's the small. That's a small positive <laughs> out of that game. <laughs> but uh, until next time, thank you for listening. Thanks to all our supporters um, all, all around the world, our, our uh, supporters in Sweden, Norway, the United States, um, Italy, Poland, and, uh, of course, here in Canada. We, we can't thank you enough. Follow us on Twitter. Rate us five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts. And uh, just a special announcement. It looks like we will be going to video broadcast We're next episode. We're, We're figuring it out. out. We've received a lot of demand from our followers to to have a video cast on YouTube. It is coming. We have two faces for radio, so. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we've been hesitating, joking, but we are figuring it out. Yeah. Just a matter of getting it all together and uh, that's it. Absolutely. So follow us on Twitter, like us. Follow us on Facebook, and until next time, ciao ragazzi. Ciao tutti. I think it's plain to see. Some people say that the greatest is the Italian melody.